I want to tell you one important thing from the professional aspect, which I would say not angry, but frustrates me. It's more, more of, you know, when you feel why everyone is acting so weird. And that is a quotient of anger, frustration, or your inability to do that. And that is the resistance to change. When, when you are exposed to things in this you know, fast-paced technology-driven industry, irrespective of function, be it HR, finance, technology, Hi everybody, this is Vivek Slaria and welcome to another episode of The Angry Coach. Today I have a privilege of hosting Amit Kataria along with me on this particular show. Amit is working on humanizing AI. Um, in fact, he is, uh, during the course of his 22 years of career, he's been the head of HR for several organizations. He's also awarded the top HR leader, top 50 HR leaders uh, along with that, may I also add that Amit is a PhD scholar. He is focusing his PhD on the use of AI for people and organizations. Amit, welcome to our podcast once again. Thanks, Vivek. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here today. It's a privilege to have you. Amit, as we get started, uh, I have a question for you. What makes you angry? <laughs> okay. Very interesting, you know, itself. It's, it, I think it's a very impactful question to start with. Lots of things, lots of things make me angry, you know. And I, I would say to the extent that, you know, there is, you know, all the sci-fi movies you see, the world that comes to the end, that kind of anger I have. But keeping all that whole, uh, this anger stuff aside, I want to tell you one important thing from the professional aspect, which I would say not angry, but frustrates me. It's more, more of, you know, when you feel why everyone is acting so weird. And that is a quotient of anger, frustration, or your inability to do that. And that is the resistance to change. When, when you are exposed to things in this, you know, fast-paced, technology-driven industry, irrespective of function, be it HR, finance, technology, or delivery, and you, you are given or you are exposed to this opportunity to improve, overall environment of you know, your work, overall the landscape, and you still don't want to change yourself. That is the most frustrating thing I have, or I feel, or I encounter. And that kind of makes me a little bit angry as well. Why so on, I will tell you in one, one sentence, because embracing change and adaptability are crucial to stay ahead, isn't it? And if you are missing on these two parameters itself, what you are aggressing to, so that means you are not open to you know, kind of take the risk or progress ahead. So as at least you can leverage what the advancement of technology has thrown to you. You still want to live in that you know, era of uh, you know, the kind of Excel pages, you know, manual work. And that's how I think you know, the, in, in a statement I can tell you, people's inability to recognize that they have to change frustrates me a little bit. People's inability to recognize that they have to change with the time frustrates you. Is that yes? Correct? So resistance to change is, is is in three words. If you have to summarize, resistance to change. That's a very interesting point. And what I'm hearing from you is even in times today, this resistance to change is happening. Yes, it is. In fact, this is more prominent now. How it is because you know if you see. Uh, 
the kind of changes coming to industry is more rapid, is more frequent in contrast to what we have five years, 10 years now. AI, uh, the tools like ChatGPT and most of the things has kind of disrupted the whole ecosystem in six months, which otherwise the similar look, internet change world in span of few years, right? The AI change in span of few months. So it, it is the frequency of change and the kind of technology impact it's bringing is more frequent and it's short pace. So you are not given that time usually you have to adjust yourself. Because you're still in your mindset that, okay, nothing happens to me because I am so-and-so or I achieved this in my life or I would remain in the same path of progression, whatever happens around my you know, whole environment. But my friend, you are wrong because if you stayed in the same shell and every else is aggressive, you would remain there, but you know, the world will move on. Nobody's going to wait you. And that's how the life is anyway, so be it your personal, professional, anything. Your, your workplace, your relations, everybody moves on because time is that most important community you have and you don't have liberty to waste that. What I mean is that let's say if, if even today I have two aggression, as you mentioned that you know, I'm doing my PhD and the thesis of that which I'm defending again is revolving around the AI. And what I learned is that you you when, when you're exposed to any information, there are only two ways of you know, kind of adapting or either you kind of you know, shut your eyes like a pigeon and say, fine, let it happen and nothing happens to me. And you get killed over the process or maybe ignored over the new course. And one is that you take the course or you take the account of development around you. You adapt to it. You change yourself. You innovate in it. And then you present your best version to the world. So what would be more impactful? Is that you keeping your eyes shut or you moving ahead? taking the advantage in you, grasping it and kind of innovating yourself to be more better version of you. So staying relevant is the key. And that's how I feel. And I have a few examples to share as well. If you want to hear that, you know, how I feel this resistance to change is very, very important in, in, in from the lens of CHR. Yes, please. I'd love to hear cool. that. So I give you an example. You know, uh, for, I started my career, Vivek, when it was literally the paper and you know, pen process. I used to keep employee records uh, you know, uh, uh, in the employee files, manual, you know, all of it. And then, then came you know, the, the tools like Excel. You know, and you, you had a manual process, you went to a little bit of automation where at least you had information handy at fingertips. Right? So that one change happened from manually flipping the pages of files to the one where you know, at least you could want to have anything information, it was on your fingertips. Right? And then came a phase where tool came who automated the processes. Now it's it's more advanced to it. So example which I wanted to give you is let's say a few years back uh, when AI AI was starting coming in, I implemented a you know applicant tracking system. It's 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 a tool which gives you uh, some degree of automation where you know resumes are passed automatically. You don't have to you know manually search for the keywords. In, your interviews are uh, aligned on just click of button. Right. There are one way video interviews you could do. You could fill the scorecard and anything and everything from the process A to Z of recruitment and selection was automated. Then, okay. But then what I face is the, the so-called great managers of that era was very, very reluctant to use that tool. They still wanted to give a feedback over the paper or over the email. Why? Uh, so, and then no, I realized was the reason because the moment you are thrown with the scorecard, it really asks you the key point information. Your 
biased, unbiased, very neutral feedback. Why did you like and why not? And you had to actually fill in a, a fair assessment of it. But their mind share was, okay, if I said so, it cannot be wrong. And I, I know, I'm the final authority to say that. People did not take it literally on a good sense and they started avoiding, you know, filling the scorecards. Despite the tool was introduced to, you know, bring more efficiency to the process, bring more agility into the process and kind of cutting short the time, aging of the RFRs. And that's how it impacts us a lot because we are fearful that if I get to a change, I will become redundant. My position will not have the influence which it had before. But my friends, you know, pe most people don't understand that if, if you are the one who is adopting the changes better than or you know, faster than the rest of the guys, you are still ahead the curve. You are still beating the competition. And that's how the whole spirit of you know, surviving in this cruel corporate world, mind my words, but that, that's how it is. You, you have to remain at the top of the ladder with your capabilities and abilities to influence or share the wisdom you gain over the years. Yeah, so that, that, that example, and there are many, you know, if time permits, we will share across in, in the journey of this podcast. My God, what a fantastic story. And what I'm hearing from you as a platform which is supposed to simplify work, which everybody's perhaps complaining about, meets stiff resistance and perhaps dies down due to poor adoption, etc. And a lot of it is also fear-based that the managers feel they will lose control or or they or it asks some very pointed questions and they're forced to fill those answers and they will, oh, I don't want to think about that right now. And that creates a resistance. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Bang on. You summarize it very well. Amazing. I think that is a fantastic insight as well. Amit, given your expertise, I'm going to take you to a different dimension if that's okay with you, right? Um, resistance to change is a very important aspect and we talked about resistance to change with individuals. How about organizations? Has there been any thought that you have given to organizations' resistance to change? Yeah, so, okay, it's, it's a very relevant point, right? So, let's say if you're asking, so if I'm getting to it, you're saying that if the lens is changed instead of individual, you are going to organization, how do you tackle this resistance to change, right? Is that the question? Or how do you see resistance to change in organizations? Yes, very much yes, because there are classic examples of it. If you see, there, there were the companies who were once the biggest organizations of the world, right? Like Nokia, Motorola, Philips, anything, you know, who, at that time, you couldn't even anticipate the kind of size they had, they could vanish from the earth. And it's not happening from today. It's happening from the world, you know, when industrialization happened, right? From the 1850s, you know, the machine uh, era came in. There were corporations who came, they become mammoth. And they vanish from the scale like anything. Why? You understand? And that's the precise reason. Resistance to change. And I will add one term as kind of you know, your ability to innovate. So in, in, in the context, you become so self-controlled you know, in your own terms as an organization that you feel that since we are at the top now, nothing can harm us, nothing can change. And you see behind your back, a very small player comes introduce such an innovative, no cutting-edge uh, solution to your existing you no know, suit of products or services, you are forced to act. And by the time you act, it's too late with it. And that's, that's how I feel. Not only individuals, but organizations also feel, or many of the times when they, you know, they, they kind of fail to recognize that this is happening and they fail to you know, kind of adapt 
the, or to the change, they are gone. And that's, that's the biggest threat. And that's what I would say in the context. They are also very prone for the resistance to change uh, uh, feeling, I would say. I think that's very fair. And you give some really great examples. Nokia, oh my God, at one time, it was the only phone possible, yeah. Motorola as well. And suddenly you find them nowhere. And a lot of it is a resistance to change with the changing time. Some new startup comes in, challenges authority and just transfers everything. Right? Blockbuster is another such example of a large mammoth and ultimately went down. I am um, very intrigued by this, Amit. Okay. And the question on in my mind is, in these organizations as well, you know, they'll have some very good senior leaders. I mean, I'm sure they will have all their processes. They'll hire some very good talent. What goes wrong according to you? What do you think went wrong? What would the senior leaders be thinking, doing that the change start, did not start seeping in? Right. Again, you know, Vivek, I think your questions are kind of so impressive that it out outlines out my answers but <laughs> let, let me try to answer that as well so what i feel what what people kind of you know uh, uh, cut short or maybe you know uh, life shorter in realizing the importance of embracing the change and adapting to it and that i feel it is happening all across not many because there are examples who are super super successful Organization, just like an example, if you see five years down the line, Microsoft on that era remained very, very low linear curve. Why so? Before Satya Nadella, right? So the company was doing good, you know, their products were selling, but the sentiments of market were not positive because they were thinking it's nothing happening. There is nothing new happening. They were constantly kind of depending on the one solutions of Windows and Office and that and nothing new was happening. Whereas their challenges were bringing constantly new. AWS came in, they disrupted market by introducing cloud, they became the market leader, right? So classic example in that, when Microsoft realized, and I, I'm giving you a counter example because you know, that is one corporation which kind of radically kind, kind of, you know, uh, um, uh, planned uh, and transformed how they were working and how they are working now. So Satya did one thing very great is that he realized the importance of embracing the change. Right? He was adaptable. And what change did he de uh, do with it? He changed the culture how Microsoft was operating. Right? He changed the sentiments and perception of marketing towards Microsoft. And no, 100% with this belief to in his people, he took the organization forward. Today, you know, if you compare Microsoft 15 years down the line and now, their share value is you know, X times. You know, their people sentiments are all time positive. The employees progression, you know, it's super, super strong. So that's how it do. When you realize as an organization, this is the most important part and your adaptability to change as well. So it, it gives you like, I will give you three, four pointers that how it impacts. And in, in, in my world, there are several factors. And out of those several, there are four or five, which is very, very important. If you realize this gives you, you know, uh, the kind of pedigree. Thing. What I think is it gives you competitive advantage. So let's say if you are already there, you know, and if you realize that you know, embracing change is important, you can quickly respond to the market trends. You can quickly change yourself to what is coming to you. And that is, that is, I think, is a super, super important part as a nation when you feel that in order to survive in future, what do you do next? It's not like you kind of, you know, so today, 
and you know, cut your crop in light and make your food. It does not happen the way I just narrated. So in order to plan your food to have on your plate, it's a progress or it's a process of whole few months, right? From the time you take seed and from the time you harvest, right? So that's how it's important. And what, what it means, being, being into that cell that where you are aware of what is coming to you in new market threads, the competitive advantage comes to you when you realize that change is coming to you. Second part, I think, is innovation. When you realize, you know, or you go away with this resistance to change, it, 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 it gives you a creative solution to come up with a better solutioning or better product in a market because it gives you time to innovate. It gives you time to uh, kind of you know, prepare yourself and get to all necessary instruments in terms of human resources and any other thing which required for you to you know, get next cycle of product line is important. And I keep giving you an example and I come back to the same example is Apple, right? They started with what? They started with one simple hardware with which was monitor and screen, right? You know, then they changed the whole rule of market by giving touch only phones. Nobody could imagine. That was that is called innovation today. And then forget about touch. They came with next level of products, you know, which was more secure than anybody else. And they charged premium for it. Despite that, market was not ready with that solution. The competition did not even realize that this could happen. They disrupted. Why so? Because they were innovative. They, they knew what is coming next in the future. And that's how I think most of the companies do that. Third part is, I think, when you realize uh, you know, the importance of embracing change and adaptability, your employee satisfaction and retention improves. Right? Why so? Because it, it makes you a forward-thinking organization. When at your base as a human resource, or maybe most of the technologies company, it's not the skyscraper or your assets you are proud of. It's your human intelligence, more people. And that, that is the very important, crucial key of the whole ecosystem you're running as a nation. And if that key understands and aligns to you that as a nation you are thinking, you are evolving, and you are taking care of them, it gives, it gives that you know, uh, uh, much important boost to the morale of employees and they are 100% dedicated to your cause. You don't need to motivate them even more by those superficial uh, you know, mechanisms of you know, those monetary and this and that. If you are intrinsically motivated Vivek, to do something on your own, right, your results, your outcomes would be far, far impactful than the one if I ask Vivek to do something forcefully. Like, the, you know, take an example of child. If child is super, super happy to do something, you don't need to you know, pamper him or her with chocolates, this and that. He will be after or she will be after your life to do that thing, right? And that's the motivation you need in employees. And sorry, I'm taking more time, but I, I want to tell one more part of it is that it brings more operational efficiencies. So right, if, if you, you realize the change, you adapt to it, it gives you that ammunition, which, which gives you better decision-making power, right? And then with that, whatever available resources you have, right, you can allocate them better. So these four or five things, I think, uh, plays a very crucial role when you understand the kind of importance of change and how you adopt to that. And please tell me if I take more time on answering that. You can always stop me. I mean, it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is very, very relevant. And what I heard from you is around a leader's responsibility to therefore create a culture of change. Yes in an organization, right? 
um, as leaders, what you've told me is one of the things that Tenedella did very well to reinvigorate Microsoft is brought about this culture of change with people that they've got to innovate. They've got to come out with better things. And as a result, they started getting into areas which they earlier started becoming stagnant in. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I want to touch upon again, no? I think we should exchange the seed because you're you already <laughs> answering you know, the kind of question in this. The culture of change is, 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 is a fundamental pillar of what I've been talking about. right? So as a leader, as an organization point of view, if you, if you seek and if you see that your organization has to go to the next orbit, culture is the most important. And because why so? Because people are anyway very interested part of it. And I, I, I have a few tips when we say that if you have to foster a more adaptable mindset and you have to encourage the culture of change within the organization, what should you do? As a leader, you, you have few responsibilities to that, right? It, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it's not like you, you are sleeping in your dream, you know, something comes up and you know, gives you a few ideas and in the morning you wake up and you implement throughout the organization. If that happens, no, I'm the most lucky guy, but it never happened to me. So we have to work. So we have to strategize. We have to come, you know, a whiteboard, brainstorm, and then come up with uh, you know, those solutions around the changes. So in, in order to bring that positive culture of change where you know, this, uh, this risk is mitigated, there are a few tips. One is that as a leader, I would suggest uh, you have to develop a growth mindset, right? So you have to embrace that idea that when change comes, it presents you with opportunity of growth, right? Change is disruptive, but for what? It brings its challenges, but those challenges give you opportunity for you to go to next level, for, for you to you know, kind of achieve more success, take more growth. And that, that's how I think this cultivating this mindset is very, very important between you know, uh, organization and leaders and their employees to do that. And, and I would recommend, there is a book, you know, uh, I forgot the author name, uh, I think it goes with the name of Carol D. And the book is, you know, uh, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And that speaks about how do you can develop a growth mindset. It's a beautiful book. If you really want to go into deep sense of, you know, how this impacts you, it's a must read. Second part of uh, fostering that cultural uh, the, the, the mindset where, you know, <coughs> change is encouraged. I would say communication is the key. More effectively you communicate, right? More adaptable you become for the change mindset or you know, uh, the, how the organization is going. Be open and transparent. Tell your employees. Everyone is super smart nowadays. You know, you could fool someone for once or twice. That to be on on the very trust level. It's not about that they anybody lacks the information because we all have you know same number of neurons in our brain. It's just like few people don't use much often those neurons than few who, who do, right? So the context is, if you share one information of me, my processing time may be slower than yours, but I will process the information in the same way as you do. I would realize the factual or the you know, kind of, you know, the importance of that information through to me in due course, were you be truthful, were you be transparent with me or not? But then here comes the key. Some leaders, and, and I probably will get lots of bashing about it, they think that you know, they, they can manipulate the world as they should. It's not. It, it, it doesn't happen. It's, 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 it's a myth when my, most of you know, the leaders feel you know, who do this practice, it's a shell for them. So don't. Be always very transparent. Be very open in your communication. 
tell what's going on tell what challenges are you facing tell what what is you thinking for the future what are the threats coming to you what are the wins and you know, successes coming to you because if you share that no uh, vivek everyone feels involved it's like a family so if 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 in a family of you know let's say four members five members and if you share one problem five people give you different ideas right different minds share that okay let's do this we may have this outcome irrespective if if i individual have this problem will not share with anyone and will keep acti- acting on on my hypothesis and eventually it goes wrong let's say the blame will come on who you because you did not share that and that's how leader does mm-hmm. not intentionally many of the times but just because you know that's a habit of them be very very constructive in their own mind share that this is this is my problem or this is my circle problem i will solve it on myself and no give this one mm-hmm. and, and and i hope you remember there was a company called satyam right so it it was one of one of the time and most of my examples are you know from from the it because you know i i evolved into that that company did the same mistake mr raju who was heading it i i i won't go to that what did he do right or wrong or not lawful or unlawful but his biggest mistake was that he was never a truthful guy to his own organization to his own employees like inflating or whatever the books and this and that he did it in the pressure of showing to the world that this is what we are fundamentally there was nothing wrong but in just aspiration to become something you were not transparent you kept lying and lying and lying over the years it took it took world to you know realize in 10 years that what was cooking up and eventually when it came you know everything collapsed why so because just one simple principle of being honest open and truthful to you know your uh, you know uh, people your employees will save you lots of trouble third part you know which which is you know i think is is important for you know fostering the cultural uh, and adaptive mindset is that you have to lead by example if you and i speak 100 different things today and you know i, I give you all this gyan but then eventually i don't follow even a single bit of that what would you think of me i would say that i am a very superficial guy right leaders cannot take a risk to be called that because they are followed by millions of me so let's say if companies of me people they would if smaller company everyone will look up to their leader to follow the same growth path right so when you say you should do when you believe in something you lead by example if you expect me to do something I should be able to prove myself on that front. Right? If you say AI is disrupting, as a leader, you should be able to leverage AI first in order to show to the world that what you are doing. Right? And that's how I think when when we say about this whole change and resistance change, the context is you have to embrace the change yourself first, being a leader and you know lead the talk, lead by example. So these are the few things you know I, I wanted to share when it came to you know. uh the culture the adaptable mindset and the culture of change within the organization how leader can adapt to it what is uh the, uh, the few tips i could share on that front these are great tips and what i took away is a, a having a growth mindset b being open honest adaptable to the organization and third was leading by example yes. uh and as a person brings all of these things together they are able to foster a culture of change in their organizations yeah absolutely i think it's a very very great three points over there amit i'm going to probe you a little further on this one uh, maybe a little bit on the edge but bear with me 
where do you find today's leaders as you interact with them where do you find today's leaders on these aspects and i'm talking the c suite leaders right the ceos the cxos it's 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 you know i think vivek it's such an important question and it's so vast and i think i can say i don't have those neurons to answer <laughs> that effectively but i will try my best to do that so in the context of current leaders vivek you know uh, the whole whole industrialization the way it happened after you know the emergence of ai and more we call adaptive ai leaders kind of you know started thinking then in order to stay ahead of the curve what should they do because everything else which was doable in in manual work is taken care by ai so as a human what advantage or what value can you add to this whole process and in in in, in pursuit to answer your question current time leaders uh, the age which you know you used to see the c levels were at a certain bracket of age what that is reducing drastically no i i have seen i work with people who are much much younger than me reporting in the jc it's they because they came with this whole radicalization of ideas where they proved when everyone else was kind of not believing in them they went and they they, they kind of proved themselves and then became successful so what it tells us current leaders are more adventurous i would say you know they are adventurous they they are taking more risk than ever and there is there is a very beautiful uh, uh, i i think a uh, you know story or probably i would say uh, the pedigree is why it's so today if you see you you go back you know in the age of my parents probably so let's say 50 years back when they were working for them the basic thing was that they they wanted to run their house with the money they are getting in job the job was the sole bread earner the money they were getting to have their children fed to have them go to the college or school and pay their fees and whatever it is right so their hygiene needs were important and they were getting settled by the money and then they stayed in that one organization throughout life throughout the life right that that's how tell yes. i saw my parents then came up the next generation after that for them okay fine they the, the parents build their house you know, they don't need to worry about it but their you no know, aspirations were different they wanted to kind of work with their passion so this generation came who were not insecure about the shelter and food but they they were wanted to experiment a little more and you know, want to pursue the profession they wanted so that generation came and they they became successful like you no know, the the current leaders in tough of like you no know, sundar pichai satyanarayana and all that who is leading the puppets of the world and then now i take and i think i come from that same generation and the gen you know the new generation it's a very different breed and there the new leaders are coming from who are very risk adaptive what it means hmm. that they they are not worried about the food shelter their you know uh, aspiration to follow one job because they have to get succeed in order because they studied well they 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 kind of have same uh, pedigree now that they can take the risk so when when you have this kind of whole leadership band coming in the economy gets super boosted because there are people who are kind of you know, breaking the stereotypes you know who who are who are going beyond which the next or earlier generation could imagine right so that that's how to answer you 
Current leadership is more adventurous. They are more risk-taking. They are not worried about you know, uh, uh, the whole hygiene factors which were important from generation or two last. And the most importantly, they are believing themselves and the new generation and in context of India, this country has grown stronger. And that's, I think, a very beautiful things happening. If you see, India has produced the largest number of unicorns in terms of revenue and wealth in the next last two, three years than ever before. And it competes in top two or three slots in constantly in last two, three years. This is, this is the only reason because we use technology like nobody else could. We believed it, we experimented. And if you see the way, with very with one successful venture, there are thousands of story of failures. Just imagine to produce that hundred unicorns. There were almost ten thousand one lakh hundred million, uh, ten million sorry uh, stories who were never noticed. But they were the visionaries. They are still in the system. If they would have not thought about going and starting these ventures, we'd not be here today. And that that I think changed drastically between the leaders of yesterday and today. And I hope it answers the questions you asked. I mean, this is such a good insight. And what I'm gathering from you is with every succeeding generation, because the basic needs are getting met and more so, the pro-risk behavior is going up. And as the pro-risk behavior goes up, our leaders become more challenging, our leaders build a higher mindset or a growth mindset. And therefore, it only foretells good things about the innovation or the direction in which organizations will be taking. Is that right? Absolutely. Bang on. Yes. No, you, you summarize it better than me, what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. This has been such an insightful conversation, Amit. Our time is practically up. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Any tips or other examples? Yes. So, okay. So the theme I know we wanted to take is what, what frustrates me. But I, I want to go and contrast it, that what makes me happy as well. Okay, so that, that's what I want to share with all my listeners uh, in support, uh, with your support, of course. So when you are coming, being, being an employee, being an individual, be a family man, be a leader, or whosoever, or whatever role in your life you are playing now, I think the most important part and most crucial part of you being happy is the key. Right? In, in pursuit of that success, Vivek, I've seen people sacrificing their health, right? their mental peace, their, their wealth in terms of you know, their knowledge and the wisdom. So we constantly run from one post to another to another in the pursuit of success, compromising everything, every beautiful thing we have, our life, our time, our health. So my message goes is that fine, follow your passion, go live your life. But your ultimate goal is that it, it should always lead to your happiness, your inner happiness. And it should always make you more healthy thinking about it. Just an example, today, when I spoke to you, this one hour of mine made me more joyful person because I was able to share my thoughts with millions of people through this postcard. So as it's, it's not another race for me, it's just the moment of happiness lies in this time we are living and that will never come back. And as a departing thought, and I, I share it with every forum I go, 
if you see the age of earth forget about the age of universe let's say it's a 4 billion years right and you put that onto the linear scale of time okay that means you put the whole years 4 billion into the one scale average span of human is 70 years let's say and if you put that on a linear scale today, we won't be equal to the size of molecule, right? But if you see, our egos are far more greater than the size of molecule. Our ego occupies the whole 4 billion years. So just let away with your ego, come with a clear mindset, be empathetic towards other people's uh, perspective as well and because that's how the more you know, major problem comes because you are not able to understand the perspective of different people why they are telling you this which viewpoint they are coming from but then you get just occupied that i am the right he is the wrong so my way or no way is the concept of it. so that's how it is just like be happy and that's what it all matters nothing else will go along with you and it's it's very superficial rest of the thing so work 24 into 7 to your success for happiness. Wow. Work 24-7 for your inner happiness, as you very rightly pointed out. Let go of the ego. And oh my God, I think I can have a very separate conversation for hours on this one topic alone. Amit, thank you so much for sharing uh, your thoughts. Thank you so much for this time. I know you have a very busy day and week ahead of you. Um, this has been a delightful uh, conversation. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Rick. So nice of you. Lovely meeting you. Just keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.